0: life the following program is being brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voice the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio
1: Here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, everyone. Special shout-out to Yoshiko Dart. And remember, every single show from now until July 27, 2015, I'm going to be talking about the ADA Legacy Project and how you have to go to that website and get on board and buy a T-shirt We're all over this, folks. You're going to be hearing about it every single time I'm on. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear about it today with our extremely special guest, who I have known for a long time, but I just want to tell you, I bet a lot of people know him because he is known internationally. He's a great disability rights leader. And I always say, if you're in the disability community, and I say, oh, John Kemp, and you say, who? I'm going to say, where have you been? He is extremely well respected. He's a great person. I am so excited to have him with us today. Welcome, John Kemp.
2: Joy Spender, it is a privilege to be with you, and thank you for those kind words. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, it's a thrill to have you on, John. And, you know, I've heard you speak many times. You're such a great speaker. Um, and and I heard you speak. I think it it was at AAPD uh, when you won the award uh, that you talked a little bit about your background and the influence of a parent. And I I just thought it was so inspirational. Um, I wonder if you would mind telling our listeners a little bit about your background.
2: Not at all. I, I'm and I just want to say thank you for your leadership and for your commitment to with disabilities, Joyce, and this the, the radio show and everything you do has just been to, to advance the cause of employment and in full inclusion of people with disabilities, so thank you very much. My hero, my hero is my dad. Uh, my dad passed away a few years ago from the effects of Parkinson's at uh, almost 90 years of age, but he uh, raised three of us kids in North Dakota after my mother had passed away, from ovarian cancer, and my mother uh, was 36 years old, and left my dad with a five-year-old. Uh, I was 15 months old, and my little sister was three months old when my mother passed, and my dad um, gave us each to his three sisters for three months, and went and got his act together, and came back and grabbed us, and. We were never apart from that point on. He just needed to figure out how he was going to live his life and how he was going to do the best he could for us. And he, we all went to regular schools, including myself, and I was born without arms or legs off at the elbows and the knees. And I started in kindergarten and went right straight through, and he just made sure that I had a wonderful uh, childhood. I had all, all the responsibilities. I had a paper route. I had to take the trash out to the, to the curb I had things I had to do to basically be a be a member of the family, and he was just an an incredible human being and My sisters and I feel so very fortunate that he was our father and and really did such a great job with us, so I owe any and all um, success that I might have had in my life to the the good thinking and the good work of my dad
1: Wow, and I'll tell you what uh John. I think that was all about no pity.
2: That's true, exactly true. He he just didn't accept that. He didn't accept that model. Um, his, his name is John Kemp as well, uh, with the middle initial B. He was a civil engineer, uh, rose to very high ranks in the civil service, federal civil service, and uh, he just didn't think that pity was the way that we'd ever get ahead, that that we'd ever be accepted as equals and he just insisted that I work and I'm soon to be at that magical age of 65. I can't even believe that. And I have worked every day of my life after graduating from law school. So I think it was all about making sure that my dad, that I was doing what my dad wanted me to do and that I was going to be an independent person.
1: And I have to say that that, and I think you would agree with that for any parents listening to the show, that if you don't, you know, really lead the way that your child is going to be independent and make it that way, that then uh, if you don't do that, it's terrible afterwards for that young person with a disability when they try to gain employment. Would you agree with that?
2: I would, Joyce. You know, I think we all try to live up to our parents' expectations, and I think we do it for all of our lives. And so if they set the bar pretty high, we we usually try to attain that.
1: Right. Now, how about you? How hard was it for you growing up with uh, a significant disability?
2: Well, I, I will say that um, once I... Once I learned to use my four prostheses, and I remember one one day that was so etched in my brain. It was a Saturday morning in Bismarck, North Dakota, where we grew up, and it was a beautiful summer day, and it was 9 o'clock, and I said, I want to get dressed and go outside. I was probably four years old or so, and I said, I want to get dressed and go outside. Will you help me? And Dad said, well, today you're going to learn how to put on your arms and legs yourself. And I said, no, no, let's do that some other time. I want to get outside and I want to play. And my friends were yelling through the window, come on, come on. And and, I, and Dad said, you know, today's a good day. I think today's the day you're going to learn how to put on your artificial limbs. And I said, really? I don't think so. And I started crying and throwing a fit, and he just sort of let me do that. And he said, you come out of your room when you're dressed. And about... An hour later, I was dressed and I had come out of the room, and I had learned how to put on my arms and legs myself. He knew I could do it; that I was getting help in doing it, and um, that—that's just an example of kind of like just the tough love that he had. He, he always showered us with love, and so I never never doubted that ever. But it was one of those things, one of those learning lessons.
1: How old were you then?
2: I was about four or five.
1: And I'll bet that changed your feeling from that day on.
2: I knew I could I knew I knew could live in pretty much independently. And when I got older and was starting to travel, gone to college, and was participating with Easter Seals, which was a very important organization in my life, um, and I would travel with their National Youth for Easter Seals and was on their national board for a while when I was 19, 20 years old, Going to a hotel and staying by myself was just a very daunting thing. I was thinking, like, how am I going to get dressed? How am I going to get a tie on? How am I going to get my shirt button? All those, all those things I had pretty well learned how to do, or I had to figure out how to get them done. I had to call a, a bellman or a bellwoman and ask them to put my tie on and do a few things like that, and, and it all worked out. But it was very empowering on that when I was four and five years old to figure out that I could take care of myself.
1: And any parents listening to the show right now, you know, come on, John, very successful, went to law school, has continued to be an executive and leader in the disability community. I'm telling you, it starts with you. It's just like epilepsy. When someone tells their child, shh, don't tell anyone, I tell them, you know what you're really saying? You're saying there's something wrong with you. Remember, independence is the key to employment and freedom. And John, I did a little bit of research <clears throat> and I read about this Henry Viscardi. Really a remarkable man. So I, I thought it would be a good idea for our listeners to learn a little bit about him.
2: Well thank you and, and I had the privilege as a when I was about nine years old to meet Henry Viscardi. Uh, and no he was,
1: kidding! Isn't that something? really? Isn't
2: this? It, there are two intersections in my life with with Henry Viscardi. One is meeting the man himself, and realizing that he was in his mid 40s, and I was nine or 10, and I was being introduced as the the new 1960 National Easter Seal poster child. They don't even have poster children anymore. But at this gala luncheon in Chicago, where Easter Seals is headquartered. Uh, I was being introduced, and the keynote speaker was Henry Viscardi from New York, and here's and a gentleman who that huh. was was born with um, legs that, that had not fully developed, and he ended up getting artificial legs to be able to walk, and walked with canes and crutches, but was a, just a fireball of an Italian guy that just... Just wasn't going to accept no for an answer. He was a he had worked his way up in his 30s to be a personnel director, and he realized that so many people with disabilities were not being employed, and he was trying to hire as many as possible. And he quit his job as a personnel director for a company on the on the hill, and um, I mean, on the in the city of New York, and came out to Long Island and opened up um, abilities, and abilities itself became a, a fantastic place where he would employ people with disabilities and pay them at or above minimum wage for doing assembly work and engineering work and, and doing all this subcontract work for a number of companies. He's an extraordinary man and built this place up and started in 1952 and 10 years later realized that he really needed to think about kids with disabilities who were not getting a fair chance, so he he opened a school here. For kids with physical disabilities who were not even in school at all, and that became a place where our good friend Paul Hearn, one of the real legends of the disability movement, uh, went to school and Paul and I ended up becoming friends, just as you did with paul and Paul had always talked about how proud he was of having to gone to the Henry Viscardi school so Paul passed away in ninety eight but the school lives on, and um, Dr. Viscardi would have celebrated his 100th birthday a couple of years ago. We had a big celebration here about it, but he was, he was an advisor to eight presidents and uh, was very much involved in the 1977 White House Conference on Handicapped Individuals, that was the word then, and just a remarkable guy. So I'm, I'm the fourth president of the Viscardi Center, and I'm just proud as can be to be serving in this capacity.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, isn't that something, though? You know how you met him?
2: Oh my gosh, my dad. My dad heard, him, he heard. We were listening to him speak at that luncheon, and he looked at me and he says, "He said you can be the, You can be Henry Viscardi." And we never dreamed that. Fast forward all these years, that I would become the president and CEO of the place that he founded. It's just a remarkable opportunity here.
1: Well, that that is that is just really really an unbelievable story. Um, okay, John, we have our first question from a Mary in Seattle and the question is, Mr. Kemp, I just wonder what advice you give to young people today who have given up an idea of finding employment.
2: Oh, I Mary, it's a it's a great question because it reflects unfortunately on the on the severe unemployment problem and underemployment problem that so many people with disabilities face and I would just ask, ask any person with a disability not to give up and to keep trying and to find, find your Joyce Benders and your Henry Viscardis and your other folks and, and your own inner strength and go out there and try one more time. Put your best foot forward or your best wheelchair wheel forward uh, and go for it. But do not give up. That's, the, that, that's giving in and letting other people win. And I know that sounds harsh and it sounds almost impossible because the 80% of people with disabilities are adults are unemployed uh, and, and really do deserve a chance. But just get back out there and try again.
1: Right, I agree with John, and I would add to that that when I speak now, I always tell young people, time for a paradigm shift. No longer can you wait for someone to save you, help you, get you that job. You have to go out. You have to be like anyone else seeking employment. You have to make it happen. And you know, one of the people that influenced me so much, John, is Tony Crowe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he is like the king of employment. Sure. And I know you know him very well, and I see that he's right now holding. Tony, are you there? Hello? Well?
3: Can you hear he, me, Joyce?
1: Oh, hi, Tony. How are you?
3: How are you? Hi, John. Hi, Tony. How are you? Good. i I just wanted to call in. I understood you were on today. I wanted to call in and and say how proud of us all in the community are of all that you've accomplished and been able to do. I still laugh uh, when you tell some of your stories about how people don't know how to adjust to John Kemp. Um, And you've just been such a great role model because there's no pity in your life. There's always, what can I do? How can I help? How can I make a difference? Uh, That's what our community needs, and you've been a great role model to make that happen. So I just wanted all of Joyce's listeners to know um, how much I uh, feel strongly about what you've been able to, to do for our community and, and make a difference.
2: Well, Tony, I, I'm just, uh, I'm overwhelmed by how kind you are and what a great leader you are. And I just thank you very much for those really, really generous words. I, I got to live up to that now. And uh, I'm. I just want to say thank you for everything you've done. I'm, I just think of you as a, an extraordinary human being who's taken the disability movement to an international level and really just keep on working so hard to advance our rights. So I, I'm overwhelmed, and I, I thank you very, very much.
3: Well, you don't have to work hard to uh, prove what I've said because you've already done it. What you need to do is just to keep on helping us because we need, we need help, as you know. Uh, there are still a lot of people who... Uh, for whatever reason don't want to have uh, people throughout the world to have their disability rights or for some reason uh, some elected officials now think the ADA is unconstitutional. So, you know, we, we go two, three, four steps forward at times, and you've been part of those steps forward, and then we go back one step. But, you know, uh, as with people of color, as with women, as with the gay community, uh, you have to fight for your rights and you can get them in our country. That's what's great. But you got to fight for them. So um, you've been there fighting uh, in your personal example but fighting to make a difference for all these years. And I really, I really do applaud you and thank you and I know the community holds you in high esteem. So I just Thanks. wanted to call in today to wow. let Joyce's people know uh, just how much you've done. What a great job you've done, what a great role model you are. So uh, love you and uh, keep working for it. Love you
2: too. And I'm with you all the way, Tony and Joyce. Thank you very much. It's, this means a great deal.
1: Joyce, hey, Tony, Tony, yeah. thank you for calling in. Um, as I was saying before, you are the person that really, uh, without a doubt, you are the person that was instrumental in everything I believe. So um, to follow you, I need to be a fireball. So thank you.
3: You're wow. welcome. Thank you, Joyce. Well, everybody that's uh, your regular listeners know you're a fireball. It's just that you <laughs> got to keep working. <laughs> that's uh, right. As <laughs> I tell John, you can't rest on laurels. You've got to keep proving yourself. I'm, I'm 72, and I don't rest on laurels. I've got to keep making a difference. That's what it's all about. Our community here, here. needs that. You do, Tony, every day. Thank you. thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: There you go, John. Wow. You were, you were worried about uh, being sixty-five.
2: <laughs> well, that is just so so nice, and what a what a great guy, what a great leader. Thank you.
1: And so everyone knows, I know you all know Tony, uh, but he's former congressman, author of the ADA uh, from from the House. Uh, and and is a person living with epilepsy. That's why I say he's had such an impact on me and on my life. Uh, 1-866-472-5788 is the number or email. Uh, John, CEO of the Viscardi Center, and I know it provides many services, and may I say I'm looking forward to coming up and having a tour uh, in the not- Too distant future. Great. I I wondered, you know, because there are people listening, they maybe do not know what you do and what the services are, so could you talk about that?
2: I'd be glad to, and and you are welcome anytime and every time, so I can't wait for you to come. Uh, The Viscardi Center employs, and school employs about 300 people to carry out a, a mission of education, employment, and empowerment. And we have a school for children who are very medically fragile and have significant physical disabilities. Uh, And now we're finding very complex uh, children coming to our school. And these are kids that would not be able to go to school in a public school setting, either in a self-contained classroom or a public school. The alternative for kids, if we didn't exist in New York here, would be to be at home, educated one hour a day maximum requirement of the state or in a hospital setting, neither of which are very good alternatives
1: wow terrible
2: so our school is a full fledged fully licensed school that uh, it runs for eight from eight twenty five in the morning till three twenty in the afternoon. we have forty six buses dropping off kids from the five boroughs of New York City, the two counties on Long Island, Westchester County, New York. So we have about 180 children uh, from kindergarten through 21 years of age. We have a middle grade school, middle school, high school. Uh, 82% of our graduating class go to college, which is better than public school averages. And they go into primarily digital media, and they they do things that and study uh topics that they really feel that they can be great at, and it's just an incredible place. So we have a Henry Viscardi School. We have a direct service provider agency where we do employment and training programs for adults, and we also do transition services and transition planning for 30 school districts on Long Island, including our own school, uh, the Henry Viscardi School. And then we have an organization called the National Business and Disability Council, which works with employers on their concerns about hiring people with disabilities, marketing to people with disabilities, and including them in the supply chain. And we work very collaboratively with other similar organizations like the USBLN and the National Organization on Disability and AAPD. So this is not a competitive thing. It is a cooperative kind of a, a relationship. So that's what we do here every day. So we're everything from local to national, international.
1: Well, a couple of questions about that. <clears throat> Number one, someone listening to the show today or listening uh, this week when because the shows are archived, if someone is interested, oh, this would be great for one of my children, what do they do? H- how do they move forward?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, they can contact us on our website, uh, viscardicenter.org, and that's V-I-S-C-A-R-D-I, center, C-E-N-T-E-R, all run together, .org, and if you write to info at viscardicenter.org, we will get back to you as quickly as possible and talk to you about what resources might be available in your state. We have created a collaborative consortium of schools similar to our school there are not many but there are 25 to 30 schools around the country that address the very significant medical issues of children with with significant disabilities and that little niche is a very important one where kids can have can have traits and and other kinds of medical conditions and still participate in a a regular high school or grade school program they can play sports They can go on field trips. We just had them surfing. They go on. It's just the most amazing thing in the world um, to see these kids experience activities that they might not otherwise get to do.
1: Well, okay, before I ask you, another thing I wanted to ask you, um, as as I'm hearing you talk about this because it's so great, uh, how do people, can people make a contribution? How does that work?
2: They certainly can. If they go to the ViscardiCenter.org website, there's a nice big Donate Now button at the top, and it'll be right on your screen, and that would be much appreciated. Uh, We do absolutely fantastic work, and the work doesn't just stay here in New York. It is something that we outbound frequently through um, professional development through webinars and other educational means. So we, we pr- try to find the best practices, adopt them, and, and then demonstrate them. We use technology to a great extent in our school and in our adult programs. And technology, to me, is a great equalizer. And I've worked with a number of extraordinary technology companies like IBM and, and the like, and, and I know that we're all trying to f- create an equal playing field for all people with disabilities and I think technology is a big part of that.
1: Yes and I see that you actually I saw that you have an incredible technology technology and assistive technology area uh, for them. I just think that is so awesome.
2: It is. You know, Joyce, it, it, disability affects those of us who are aging and, as well as the young kids and everybody in between. And so many people want to be able to stay in their homes as they age and not end up in assisted living programs unless they need to or nursing homes unless they need to. They want to stay and in, in age in place. And much of what we offer is to help seniors understand how they might be able to extend a few years and, in their own home and enjoy themselves and, and not have to give up all those wonderful familiar places that they've enjoyed, you know, their bedroom, their living room, their comfy couch, their big rocking or reclining chair, the kitchen, everything's set up for them the way they want. We, we try to offer them some assistive technologies that allow them to stay there as long as possible.
1: And you know, there's assistive technology in so many areas. People have to, it's not just if you're blind. There are so many areas where you can use this. So that's why, that's why I think that's so great. Uh, I really do. Once again, you know, if you're listening, you're thinking, wow, this is so great. Oh, this is so great for these children with disabilities. It is. But we can't do anything without funding. Funding. It takes money to do these things. So once again, um, what did you tell me here? Wait, I have it written. ViscardiCenter.org. Correct. And if you go there, you see a donate. Take time to do that. Remember, can't make a difference without your help. Uh, John, this is just such a story. I can't imagine. What does this mean to you? I mean, to be the CEO, the head honcho, what's this mean to you you
2: know i it's it's uh i kind of have to pinch myself with my clamps gently once in a while to make sure that i'm really you know believing this whole thing is happening it's just such an honor and such a thrill i i enjoy management i enjoy making things happen um changing what we're doing for the better and it's just a, such a privilege and and i think part of it is that i realize that i'm I'm a bit of a role model not a not a great role model but probably a bit of one that if if it inspires a one of our students or another young person to say I want to be I want to be in management I want to be a CEO someday and I don't want to sit on my hands and sit at home and sit on the couch I want to I want to go to work and earn like you and Tony and and lots of our friends that there is a great opportunity to use all the talents that you are given and I would hope that that people would look at this as a great, a great opportunity. Uh, I'm, I'm just very, very blessed. And having known Hank Viscardi and Paul Hearn and so many people who are great, great individuals, I think the Viscardi Center has, uh, has continues to lead the way in putting people with disabilities in, a, in key management positions.
1: Well, they are very lucky to have you. And you. I know that you are a great leader, and I know you are making a difference, but once again www.ViscardiCenter.org. Make a donation. Don't just say it's good. I hate that when people say, even about the epilepsy fund. Oh, that's so great. That's so great what you're doing. Okay. Help us. Make a donation. Can't do it without you. Okay. We have a call, caller holding. Don, are you on the line?
0: Uh, yes, I am, Joyce.
1: Don, Dawn, Dawn, introduce yes, yourself.
0: Uh, Hi, thanks Joyce. Uh, My name is uh, Don Clayback. I'm the Executive Director of the National Coalition for Assistive and Rehab Technology, which is a mouthful so we go by the acronym NCART. And um, we uh, work on advocating for coverage and payment for uh, specialized wheelchairs, seating systems, and other adaptive equipment like gait trainers and uh, standing devices, those types of things that are are used by people either in the home setting or the school setting or the work setting.
1: Well, I'm sure, John, you're very familiar. Mm -hmm. I sure am, Don.
0: Yes, John. and I appreciate you having the time Joyce and I've uh, actually been listening to the call so John I'm uh, very interested to hear about the Viscardi Center it sounds like a, a great uh, facility and and what what I wanted to just talk uh, quickly about Joyce and I appreciate the time is uh you know relative to our complex rehab technology um this week we have uh the we've declared this week national CRT week and we're looking at Mobilizing people to contact their members of Congress about some legislation that we have uh, in the works that uh, focuses on protecting access to this, principally under the Medicare program. But the idea is, once it's passed, it will expand to other funding organizations.
1: Well, how how do they? How does the listener find out more about that?
0: Yeah, it would be great. We actually have a website. It's called, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the name or the location is and the number 2 crt So access2crt.org. And there's a, a variety of information that uh, is on the site. Uh, the site is really designed to be an advocacy center for helping protect uh, funding on both the federal and state level. But, uh, our legislation that we're working on currently, it's uh, called the, uh, Ensuring Access to Complex Rehab Technology Act. And it's HR 942 and S948. And again, all this, all this detail is on the website, so there's, uh, people can go there for additional information. But on the website, there's a link that people can contact they're members of Congress directly. Uh, this legislation we've been working on, we've actually started probably about four years ago with a broad coalition of consumers, clinicians, providers, and manufacturers. Uh, and we got the legislation introduced last year. Uh, right now, on the House side, we have 148 members of Congress signed on, and we have 20 senators signed on. So we're looking to build on that. And if people go to the website, again, www dot access to CRT dot org you'll be able to see if your members signed on and you'll also be able to access the link uh, that you can contact them directly via email and express your support for the bill and ask them to sign on as uh, part of the uh, supporters oh,
1: Don I so yeah. appreciate you calling in John did you want to make a comment I
2: do I want to I say thanks to Don for raising this issue this is one of our biggest problems is having enough um, appropriate coverage or reimbursement for individuals who are poor and disabled and need some assistive technologies. Uh, first, they don't understand what they're entitled to, and many times there is not coverage for complex rehab technologies. And this is the, the difference between independence and dependence. And I'm really, really pleased, Don, that you would call in and talk about this. This is a critical issue we face it here uh, at our center and talking with clients who are needing uh, such services covered and not getting it. So I w- we will make a big push with you for the passage of this uh, legislation.
0: That That's great, John. I appreciate it. And, and, and I think as you folks know, and I'm sure the listeners know, you know, for someone that uses a wheelchair, you know, that really becomes the focal point or the vehicle in which they can access their community, and whether it's, you know, a young person going to school or an older uh, adult going to work or to college. Um, and frankly, what well, we started this, as I said, about three years ago, and, um, and on the site, again, you'll see more information. There's, there's over 50 national groups that have signed on, uh, APD, United Spinal Association, uh, all the larger consumer groups are on board, along with uh, many of the medical professional groups. Because unfortunately, this, this specialized technology uh, and again, this isn't the type of chair that maybe you're going to see in the drugstore or, um you know, a standard type of chair that certainly has its purpose, but if you have someone that needs a specialized power wheelchair or a very lightweight manual wheelchair to get around, those items are frankly being um, lost in all this healthcare reform, and because it's specialized, it's a small segment, it tends to get lost, and frankly, in some of the cuts that are going on whether it be Medicare or Medicaid, the funding for this is being dismantled. And so part of the purpose of this legislation is to bring awareness to this more specialized equipment and how it's important for people um, in their activities of daily living. Again, whether it be education or work or just socializing, um, that's what really this legislation is all about.
1: Well, John, I really appreciate you calling in. Uh, Before you go, Don, what's that website one more time?
0: Great, thanks, Joyce. It's and the number 2 crtorg So, access2crt.org.
1: Hey, thanks, John, and have a great day.
0: Okay, thank you, Joyce. Thank you, John. Sure, Bye-bye. thank you. That was great.
1: Yeah, so many things, huh?
0: Well, so it's, it's many. So things. right, so right.
2: It's the That's the difference between independence and dependence, right there.
1: Yeah isn't that the truth um, well john we've been talking about viscardi what i thought would be great is if you could you know give our listeners an example of a success story that really impacted you
2: well i think about when i first came here 3 4 years ago i i met a a young man who was in the third grade and he was in, in essence uh, functionally deaf, and the the teachers and the therapists here kept working with him. He has severe cerebral palsy, uh, nonverbal uses powered mobility, augmentative communication devices, and we thought he also might be deaf. Uh, and so we um, kept thinking he seems to be so able to understand English, but we couldn't quite figure out what was what was going on with the parents and our. And our therapists, we went through nine hearings over 18 months to try to obtain for him the appropriate testing, technology, and support services that he might need. And what he really needed was he had taught himself English. He is so smart. He had taught himself English by just watching the teacher pointing to our smart boards and watching uh, a cursor on a screen going across, uh, identifying which words and he had taught himself the all all of as much English as a, as a young boy can learn, and we were just amazed. And he was uh, tested on the IQ scale at about 110 without any assistive devices or wow. an exact English sign language interpreter. We prevailed after nine hearings and almost two years had gone by in getting what he needed. And every day in class with him is a uh, is an exact English sign language interpreter and he has additional tec- technologies that he uses. We have a lot of technology, but he gets additional technologies at home and at school. One month after having access to these technologies, he was tested on the IQ scale at over 140. We have no idea how oh, smart he is. Oh,
1: my goodness.
2: This little boy is probably like on the Stephen Hawking level. And wow. And he is so gifted. And to think that we would let... This little guy, not, you know, explore the world and and really be able unlock him and be able to let him have access to a great life it was just profound to me. So I am I'm so proud of our staff here and the diligence by which we the parents pursued this and our staff pursued this. But I feel like that's those are the kinds of stories. It's not about you know always helping someone up from the bottom. It's like taking someone who's already quite talented and giving him a big lift up to the top. And I think, we, I think we did that with this young boy.
1: That is a great story. That is just such a great story. Um, who knows what he'll contribute?
2: Exactly. He is who so knows? he's Michael. Michael is his name, and, and just think of Michael. Wow.
1: Well, listen, um, you heard me say at the beginning that on every show from now until 2015, July 27th, which really the 26th is the day, but the 27th is an event I'm talking about. But every single day I'm going to be talking about, for a few seconds, the ADA Legacy Project, because I think it is so important. And when I went to the website one day looking, what do I see but this article which was a blog. Who will carry the torch for the next twenty-five years? Written by John Kemp.
2: <laughs> I, am, I am worried about our future enough to to say, come on, come on, young folks. You know, you're enjoying some of the things that that have been made available by some advocacy, but now we need you to step up. We need you to take on leadership roles. And I am I'm very excited about our future as a movement, and and I'm very proud of of all that has been accomplished, but we're not quite there yet, as as Tony indicated. And I I think celebrating our ADA 25th anniversary a year from now, less than a year from now, will be a a big message to the community of how, how the ADA has changed the quality of our lives and our ability to contribute so greatly in just those 25 years, and then how we can take this message out to the world and really get the UN Convention passed as well. But I'm looking for this to be an opportunity for young people with disabilities who want to be leaders and are leaders to step up and help us now.
1: You know, I am so glad that you are talking about this because, you know, I was not at the signing of the ADA I really did not get immersed into the disability community until about 1997. Okay, so you hear how long ago that was. Mm -hmm. Do you know that till this day, the same people are known as the leaders in the disability community? Do you know what I mean? I do. When you ask people who are the leaders, you know, oh, Tony Cuello, John Kemp, uh, Andy Imperato, uh, you know T- Judy Heumann, uh Tom Harkin. Do you know what I mean? They go through all the same names. Right. That really worries me.
2: Right, and and yet I know that there are incredible young people yes. at independent living centers and in and now working in companies that really are. Are ready to, ready to step up. And I, and I'm, this is an open invitation. Come on. We're ready. We, we need you to, to, to be our, our next generation, our next gen, ADA next gen, you know, to, to to step in here and, and take us 25 years further.
1: Yeah, we, we, we really do. And you know, I mean, you can be a young person and of course be, as John said, working in corporate America and that's awesome because you can be a leader there. You, you know, you can be in different places, but it would also be great for, and some of you already have, but for some people to really get immersed in the disability rights community. So I agree with, uh, I agree with you, John. I, I just think that is so important. And how about this ADA Legacy Project? Isn't that awesome?
2: Well, Mark Johnson is just an extraordinary guy. And he has just put, put his whole heart and soul into this effort. And I'm, I'm so proud to know him and, and to work with him on this. We, we're going to put on a big show in New York City uh, we think that there's an awful lot to, to talk about here and to, and to demonstrate. There are an awful lot of good independent living centers here and, and disability organizations like United Spinal and, and the Viscardi Center and many in the school and YAI and a number of others, but um, we're going to put on a big show and we think it'll, we'll be able to educate thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. We We may even take over Times Square for a couple of days and have... Maybe the ADA Legacy Bus here that will talk about and show the history of our movement and everything that that affects people with disabilities and and where we've come from and where we want to go. I'm very excited about that.
1: Me too. And by the way, heads up everyone, in September, Mark Johnson is going to be a guest to talk in detail about the ADA Legacy Project. And John, I'll be sure to send you that so you can send it out to everyone so they listen to him. As you said, I don't, I can't believe how much work this man has done. Just remarkable. It, it, I know. It is. It really is. So. Um, follow, buy those t-shirts. I bought some for my Mm -hmm. office. You just have to go to ADAlegacyproject.org and you can buy that, make a donation. And again, we're going to have Mark on so that we can start giving you updates about the bus, about the tour, where we are and what we're doing. So you make sure you t- stay tuned to hear that. Uh, and, John, thank you for your support writing that article.
2: Well, my pleasure. My pleasure, Joyce.
1: ViscardiCenter.org. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this show, we're talking to John Kemp, President and CEO of the Viscardi Center. That's ViscardiCenter.org. Viscardi and you would think I'd be able to easily pronounce that since my maiden name is Saletti, so who knows what's going on here today.
0: Um, now hey. I know
2: why you're so successful.
1: Is that Italian blood? That's right. It is. Yeah, that's where I get that energy. You never
2: take no for an answer.
1: That's, that's right. Pretty. Yeah, that's right. A life of hot peppers. It's amazing what that can do for you.
2: So,
1: so John... Obviously, from, you know, people listening to the show, I think everyone can tell you just have already accomplished so much in your life. But by the way, as I said, remember, Tony's 72, but so, like, don't be thinking, you'll be stopping. Um, So what would you say? What would you consider your greatest accomplishment?
2: Oh, my goodness. I'm probably going to say to have to be a, a humble foot soldier in our battle for humanity for for all my life that's that's my that's what I'm proudest of I, I I think staying with something being committed to a movement I've had various jobs in various cities and all that but really being never taken my eyes off of what Is hopefully good for people with disabilities and trying to make our lives and others' lives much better and and, 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 and on a fair basis. So, I'll just say I'm proud to be that that servant. My second that
1: that you are. You've definitely got (laughs) down a great leader serves. There's no question about that. Um, So here we have Dave from Austin. Uh, John, you've accomplished a lot. You have done so many great things uh, in your life. My question is, do you speak at various universities or conventions, and if so, how could we follow you?
0: Uh,
2: I do speak at various universities and meetings and, and all that and conferences, and you can reach me by writing to info info at viscardi center dot org. That would probably be the fastest and easiest way to do it, and I'd be be happy to consider speaking uh, around the country. I'm I even get out of the get out of the country once in a while. Last October, I spoke in uh, in Australia, and in uh, this October, I'll be speaking in Madrid, Spain. Um, but I I. I travel quite a bit. I have the most wonderful wife, and she goes with me, and she is my partner, and we have devoted our lives to to making life better. So, you know, she's with me all the way. Sam. Sam. My wife, Sam.
1: Sam Uh is the most awesome person she is, who also, by the way, works in the disability community. And that is just so great. You're doing this international speaking. Absolutely. Uh, And by the way, listening to the show right now, CRPD. That's right. Come on, everyone. Call your senators. Tell them, vote yes. I'm talking about the UN Convention on Rights of Persons with Disabilities, and uh, John made me think about that when he was talking about his international work.
2: Well, and then Tony, who is... Been so instrumental with the ADA is also leading, along with Marco Bristow out of Chicago, um, the effort to get the get this UN convention ratified here in the United States, and that is it's just unfathomable to me that our Senate does not ratify this convention. So all I can say is we're very close, and you do need to call. And let your senators know, especially if you live in Kansas, Missouri, uh, Louisiana, a few other key states, you can call any, wherever you are, you should weigh in with your senator's office and, and let them know that you support the passage of the, the CRPD, the Disabilities Treaty.
1: And you know, uh, John, someone said to me once, they said, "Well, you know, I'm just one person. I said, what? Every call that goes to a politician's office counts. Don't you agree with that?
2: I do. I, I, I worked in Washington as an attorney and uh, lobbyist for a number of years, and, and I actually had a, a person tell me one time that they thought that if you could get seven people to call on a given day and weigh in on, on the same side on an issue that it would be enough to make that staff person bring it up at, the, at, their, at their staff-wide meeting and say, I'm getting a lot of calls about such and such an issue, and we ought to pay attention to it. And thus the, the ball starts rolling, and it can be done with as few as seven phone calls. So every phone call does count, Joyce, exactly what you're saying.
1: And by the way, everyone, disabilitytreaty.org, really, I love one time what Tony said when he was speaking, and it was, we've got to get mad. We can't sit back. We've got to get out there. We've got to get angry. And we have to say what John said. It's unfathomable. Like, you've got to be kidding. It's bipartisan. As a matter of fact, I was just so proud when I saw two Pennsylvania governors testifying about this, Governor Tom Ridge, Governor Dick Thornburg, both of them expressing how important this was, and and they actually were on my show talking about this and why you should vote yes. Um, So, you know, what I'm saying, it isn't just the Democratic Party. As a matter of fact, one of the big supporters is John McCain, not to mention or forget, not to forget mentioning Bob Dole.
2: Oh, yes. Gosh, you know, you've got two great former governors who are in support of it that you mentioned. They're just unbelievable people. And then Bob Dole, who I just, I love. I've known him since 1968. He was, uh, I'm from Kansas, and he was my my representative and then my senator for many years. And then I moved around the country and ended up in Washington and we maintained our friendship. And about two weeks ago, Joyce, I was in, at Walter Reed presenting one of our Viscardi achievement awards um, that Tony has won by the way. And I uh, and was presenting it to a, a double leg amputee uh, volunteer who meets all of these wounded warriors coming back to Walter Reed and, and he and his wife are uh, the porters assist them in just reintegrating. And Bob Dole, who's the chair of the selection committee for the Viscardi Awards, came out from his office at Alston and Bird in downtown Washington, out to Walter Reed, and was there present for the award ceremony. He is living this at 91 years of age. He is living the disability movement.
1: Oh, he is, and before I go to my last question, I just want to say, when I saw him and his wife, Senator Dole, Senator Dole, walk down there, you know, be down front, the day that they tried to vote yes, and see people walk past him and vote no, here's what I have to say to you, whoever, you, which senators you did this listening, shame on you. Amen shame on you. I don't know how you could have done that, but shame on you. So that's why everyone, call. Make sure you call. So, John, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Oh,
2: my, let's see. I I think um, the message is really one of love and respect, that if people with disabilities themselves really respect themselves and feel that they are worthy and, and and belong righteously belong in society, then they should feel strongly about asserting their rights and not being obnoxious or rude or impolite but being being po- empowered to take their rightful place in society. I, I think there's a lot of pride and dignity that we, we lose uh, along the way and I don't want people with disabilities to ever give up their pride and their dignity in who they are as people with disabilities. And we will fight the good fight and we will keep fighting the good fight until equality has been attained.
1: That's right. We're tough and we're not giving up. Right. Uh, hey, John Kim, President and CEO of the Viscardi Center. John, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show today.
2: Thank you and I, and I love you, Joyce. And, and thank, you, thank you to all your listeners as well.
1: Love you, too. And remember, o r g, And we end every show with a quote from someone we believe is a leader that has impacted people worldwide, people that they're impacting about quality of life. So this quote today, may I say, in reference to what's going on in Ferguson, here's the quote, darkness Cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that, said Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week.